China has a quarter of the world's Alzheimer's patients. With the country's gray population growing rapidly, the number of patients will likely increase fourfold by 2050. Meet the patients, their families and caregivers, and discover the anxiety, struggle and misconceptions behind one of the biggest problems of an aging society in our documentary, Aging in China, Living with Alzheimer's, on CGTN Radio. For podcast listeners, search The Top Story and find the program on all popular podcast apps on September the 21st, the 30th World Alzheimer's Day. Hello and welcome to The Top Story, a podcast with the headlines of the day from our correspondents from around the world. I'm Zhu Tianlu, coming up. The diplomatic row between India and Canada is escalating over the killing of a Sikh separatist leader in Canada as New Delhi has expelled a senior Canadian diplomat in retaliation for a similar move by Ottawa. The U.S. national debt has crossed the $33 trillion mark for the first time as a government shutdown looms. And China and Russia have agreed to increase coordination on international and regional issues as senior Chinese diplomat Wang Yi visits Russia. Reports say Canada and the United States are having close intelligence contact on the assassination of a Sikh leader in Western Canada in June, which is said to have links to the Indian government. Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau has accused New Delhi's agents of being behind the shooting of Hardeep Singh Nijar, a Sikh separatist activist. He also urged India to take the case seriously and to provide help in the investigation. India quickly dismissed Trudeau's statement as absurd. The two countries have expelled each other's diplomats following the dispute. Ravinder Bawa reports from Delhi. Well, allegations and counter-allegations levelled by India and Canada has led to the expulsion of a senior Canadian diplomat. On Monday, the Canadian Prime Minister said authorities were investigating credible allegations linking India's agents to the murder of a Sikh separatist leader. Dismissing the allegations as absurd, India asked Canada to crack down on anti-India elements operating in its territory. The Canadian leader had told the House of Commons in an emergency statement on Monday that any involvement of a foreign government in killing of a Canadian citizen was an unacceptable violation of our sovereignty. Indian Foreign Ministry responding to this said that the decision reflects the government of India's growing concern at the interference of Canadian diplomats in their internal matters and their involvement in anti-India activities. After the G20 summit during the bilateral, Prime Minister Modi conveyed to his Canadian counterpart India's strong concerns about continuing anti-India activities of extremist elements in Canada. Prime Minister Trudeau raised the importance of respecting the rule of law, democratic principles and national sovereignty. Trade talks between the two nations has been hit due to the rising tensions. That was Ravinder Bawa on the diplomatic row between India and Canada. In North America, the general debate of the 78th session of the UN General Assembly has opened at the UN headquarters in New York. This year's debate focuses on restoring global trust and solidarity amid current challenges. On the sidelines, some progress has been made at the Sustainable Development Goals Summit. Nathan King in New York has more. Inside. 
the General Assembly Hall. The mood was very gloomy. Antonio Guterres, the UN Secretary General, kicking things off, essentially saying the world is unhinged, that he feels the world is incapable of coming together on the big challenges like climate change, development, and also the small crises that seem to dominate these summits uh, going forward. That's kind of reflected with Vladimir Zelensky, uh, the Ukrainian leader, essentially uh, speaking here for the first time since the Ukrainian conflict. He tried to bring the world together to his cause by appealing to the global south, who largely have stayed neutral in this war, saying, look, Grain prices went up, oil prices went up, uh, there's been food uh, insecurity. There's also an international law aspect here which will affect you as well. Uh, Joe Biden reflected similar remarks about Ukraine. He was clear rhetorically on China, though, I can tell you. He said we don't want to contain any country. You know, I was just talking to some African diplomats and some Latin American diplomats, and they were saying, look, we really do hope there's a thaw in US-China relations, but they feel that the standoff uh, could affect them. So any thaw uh, could really develop winds for the entire international community. That was Nathan King on the UN General Assembly. Still in North America, the U.S. national debt has exceeded $33 trillion for the first time. The timing is key as Congress is running out of time to agree on a funding deal by the end of the month that would prevent a government shutdown. Benji Hayer has the latest from Washington. More than $33 trillion, roughly the value of the economies of China, Japan, Germany, India and the United Kingdom combined. The national debt rose markedly since the 2008 financial crash and then again during the COVID-19 pandemic. The debate over debt has grown here amid an extended standoff months ago over raising the debt ceiling. Now that cap set by Congress determines how much the US can borrow to pay for its remaining bills. A deal was finally struck in the summer to avoid default on debt repayments but a cohort of hardline Republicans want further cuts, blaming out-of-control spending for the country's fiscal woes. House Speaker Kevin McCarthy, under pressure, insists there's still time to appease both sides. This isn't the 30th. We've got a long ways to go. We've got a lot of different ideas. I credit our members over the weekend working together. Here's the thing, even if House Republicans do manage to pass a short-term funding measure to stop the government from shutting down at the end of the month, the Senate's Democratic leader, Chuck Schumer, says the bill as written won't pass his upper chamber. A shutdown may not be as calamitous as a debt default, though it would affect pay for hundreds of thousands of federal staff. It's another major headache for the Biden administration contending this week with an auto workers strike that could put a break on the hard driving U.S. economy. Almost 13,000 people employed at three of America's biggest car manufacturers are taking part in unprecedented coordinated industrial action, demanding significant pay rises. The walkout will continue unless there's a resolution, with the White House urging both sides to stay at the table for as long as possible to forge a win-win agreement. But from the picket line to the corridors of Congress, opposing factions remain poles apart. That was Benji Heyer on the growing U.S. debt.
Move from the U.S., the country's southern border with Mexico is seeing a spike in migrants. Shelters in some communities have been over capacity for weeks, and the problem is not just in the United States. Migrants making their way north through Mexico are putting a strain on that country as well. Frank Contreras has more from Mexico City. Desperation on Mexico's southern border. Distraught Haitian immigrants in Tapachula push against police barriers, demanding that Mexico grant them documents so they can continue traveling northward to the United States. For the first eight months of this year, Mexico has seen a 30% increase in the number of applications for free transit through the country compared to last year. Mexico's refugee agency says the country is on track to receive more applications for asylum than ever before, likely breaking a 2021 record of 129,000 applications for asylum in Mexico. The mayor of the northern Mexican border city of Ciudad Juarez sent an emergency message to Mexican state and federal authorities requesting help to deal with the daily influx of migrants. Local advocacy organizations say shelters have been saturated for months and many migrants have no choice but to beg in the streets. Mostly they are many families with their children and teenagers. The number of people passing through here every day has been extraordinary. Even at night, there are people who take the risk and attempt to cross the border. In the United States, the migration buildup continues from Texas to New York to Massachusetts, where the governor has declared a state of emergency. In Tijuana, Mexico, a border rights organization called Al Otro Lado has received reports that the U.S. government is once again separating migrant children from their families. What we are hoping to show... U.S. immigration lawyer Nicole Elizabeth Ramos directs the project. Uh, there were almost 700 deaths documented last year alone along the U.S.-Mexico border of people who were trying to enter, uh, many of them to seek asylum, and that represents almost half of the total number of deaths and disappearances reported through the Americas. Economic hardship, violence, and climate change are some of the factors pushing migrants north. They know jobs are available in the United States, but few migrants are aware of just how politicized their presence is especially ahead of the 2024 presidential elections. That was Frank Contreras on the Mexico migration wave. Finally, in Europe, senior Chinese diplomat Wang Yi continues his four-day visit to Russia. He has met the Secretary of Russia's Security Council following an earlier meeting with Foreign Minister Sergei Lavrov. Alyosha Milankovic reports from Moscow. Russia's top security chief, Nikolai Patrushev, waiting for his guest Wang Yi at the Volinskoye Congress Park Hotel, about seven kilometers from the Kremlin. The atmosphere was relaxed and the meeting was friendly. But the topics covered by the two sides in the discussions were far from easy and relaxing. Our meeting is happening during a rapidly changing international situation. The ongoing transformation of the geopolitical landscape is followed by the provoking of new and inciting of old conflicts. In that context, I want to confirm our immeasurable support for Beijing in the issues of Taiwan, Xinjiang, Tibet and Hong Kong, which are used by the West to discredit China. 
It was during the open part of the meeting that the two officials addressed some pressing international issues. Wang said China and Russia bear special responsibility for maintaining global strategic stability. As permanent members of the United Nations Security Council and responsible countries, we work closely together on the international stage to jointly defend true multilateralism, oppose all acts of bullying, and jointly promote the development of the global governance system in a fairer and reasonable direction. Following the China-Russia talks, they were joined by officials from Mongolia, a landlocked country between China and Russia and heavily dependent on its imports from those two countries. And all three parties agreed there is a need to increase interaction and coordination on international and regional issues. Wang wrapped up his day in Moscow with a closed-door meeting with Jadamba Engbayar, secretary of the Mongolian National Security Council. That was Alyosha Milankovic reporting. Before we go, the headlines again. The diplomatic row between India and Canada is escalating over the killing of a Sikh separatist leader in Canada as New Delhi has expelled a senior Canadian diplomat in retaliation for a similar move by Ottawa. The U.S. national debt has crossed the $33 trillion mark for the first time as a government shutdown looms. And China and Russia have agreed to increase coordination on international and regional issues as senior Chinese diplomat Wang Yi visits Russia. That's it for this edition of The Top Story, a podcast that brings you world headlines every weekday. For more news in politics, business, sports and culture, you can subscribe to The Beijing Hour, a one-hour podcast news magazine program. We welcome and appreciate all ratings and reviews. I'm Zhu Tianlu. Thank you for listening.